Kathleen here. And before we jump into today's episode, I have a quick favor to ask of you. One of our big boss goals is to get to the top of the iTunes podcast business chart, and we need your help. So please pause for a moment to subscribe on iTunes, even if it isn't where you listen to our podcast, because it really helps us out. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a rating and review. Okay, let's jump into the show. Hello and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. I'm Laura Lee Mattingly, and I am Being Boss. Today we're talking about traditional publishing and working with a book agent with Laura Lee Mattingly. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. All right, you guys, I want to put an end to any myth that money is evil, money is difficult, money is hard, I'm not an accountant, because FreshBooks Cloud Accounting has made it so easy for small business owners, freelancers, side hustlers to keep track of their expenses, to send out invoices, and to get paid faster. And honestly, that's all it comes down to. One of the things I personally love about FreshBooks is that they've designed it for creative entrepreneurs. Whenever you log into your dashboard, you can see exactly what your business is up to. You can see how much money you've got coming in and what you've got going out. You can easily pull reports to see what your profit and loss is. You guys, if you're not staying organized with your money, you're going to have bad feelings about money. So I want you to get organized with your money today. Try out FreshBooks for free. They're offering our listeners a 30-day unrestricted free trial. To claim it, just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section. All right, back to our episode. Laura Lee spent more than a decade as an acquiring editor at major publishing houses, including Random House, HarperCollins, and Chronicle Books. She's collaborated with bloggers, podcast hosts, stylists, life coaches, photographers, and beauty gurus to turn their book visions into printed reality. In 2016, she left corporate publishing to become her own boss and use her industry know-how as a literary agent and editorial consultant. She joined Kate Woodrow as a partner at Present Perfect Department. Together, they represent talent in a range of fields, selling books to both major and indie publishing houses and helping creatives strategically build their publishing career. Also, Laura Lee is our book agent for our upcoming Being Boss book set to release in spring of 2018. All right, you guys, we are so excited to have Laura Lee on the show. So Laura Lee is actually our book agent and feels like a friend. I feel like we're having a friend on the show (laughs) to talk about traditional publishing and being an agent and what she does. And so welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you guys. All right. Let's start off by talking about how we know each other. Okay. So, well, we've talked a couple of times about how we've talked to a couple of different agents and none of them really felt right, felt like the right fit. And then 
Oh, and then Kathleen, you've shared the story about how you wrote on your chalkboard that we were going to get a book. Oh, right. or we were going to write a book in December 2017 or whatever it was. And then the next day, we got this email from Laura Lee. And she sounded like she was totally one of our people. And we got on the phone call and we were right. Um, and that's how we got a book agent. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, at this point... So mentioning that we had talked to a couple of agents, one was so nice, but not the right fit because he was an editor for religious books. <laughs> oh. like, we're, we're not writing a religious book, but he his wife was a fan of the podcast and it was really cool just getting on the call with him. So shout out to him. He was so nice to us. And just kind of opening the door to what it might be like to do some traditional publishing. And then I got on the phone with one of my friend's agents and it was just awkward. I won't go too much further into it, but it made me start thinking that maybe self-publishing was the route for us. I felt like we had the platform for it. We could easily sell probably a few thousand books and make some okay money on it. But whenever it comes to publishing, we also knew that we needed deadlines and accountability and also kind of the clout that comes with traditional publishing. And so we can talk more about why we chose traditional versus self-publishing. And I don't think that either are right or wrong. But the first step was getting that agent. And so that was you. So what was me? What prompted you to email us? Well, I love how I said that I feel like one of your people because I feel like I am one of your people. And I had actually started listening to your podcast when I was thinking about leaving my corporate publishing job. So you guys actually played a big part in me taking my own leap to um, join my partner, Kate Woodrow, at our agency, Present Perfect Department. And so I had done that and I was still listening to you guys. And one day I just thought, wait a minute, like these people absolutely need to have a book. Why don't they have a book? And so I cold emailed you and I remember you wrote back and you said, well, I think we're going to self-publish. So in my mind, I was like, I just need to get them on the phone and meet them and talk to them about why they want to self-publish. And then we talked for like an hour. And by the end, I feel like you had changed your mind. Um, That wasn't going to be a hard task either. Like Kathleen and I had been straddling the self-publishing, traditional publishing fence for so long that we were just kind of leaning in the other direction. It wasn't going to take much to send us over. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, no, you're welcome. And I'm glad that you mentioned you had talked to some other agents because that's something I want. Like, that's really good that you sort of didn't just go with the first person that came along because I think it can be so flattering and exciting when an agent reaches out, but like you need to do your homework and make sure that they are going to do right by you and be the right advocate for you and get you in front of the right publishers. So it was good that you guys waited a little bit. I also don't think it's the case for most people that they have agents reaching out to them. Or is that the case? Like if you have a platform, can you expect to be getting an email or is that kind of I mean, I don't think you should sit around waiting for it, but I think it happens. Um, I feel like for us, we get our clients sort of like 50-50. Half we're reaching out and half are coming to us either through our website or via referrals. Um, and if you have a platform, I mean, agents are kind of like hound dogs, right? They're sniffing out what they think is fresh and what they like. So if you're out there and doing well, um, there is a good chance that an agent will reach out to you, but you don't want to want, want to wait around for that to happen. Um, and I would say like a lot of the clients that we take on are by referrals. So if you know somebody with an agent and they can refer you, um, I think the agent is a lot more likely to like take that call and feel you out and, and see if you might be a fit too. 
And I know you guys have sent some referrals my way and I always take those like really seriously. Oh, well, thank you. I feel like I'm sending all my friends your way. <laughs> right. Like, well, we to talk there you go. Them. That's why I take it seriously. I, know. <laughs> I feel too legit to quit for sure. Having a book, book agent, period, that I want everyone to like go know her and be cool like me too. <laughs> Well, so let's talk about this a little bit because, Emily, you and I are completely new to the book world. I mean, we went into this knowing next to nothing. I have had a couple of friends. Uh, I mean, mean, I've had a couple of friends who have traditional published and a couple of friends who have self-published. I have to go back to what Laura Lee just said where we had definitely done our homework. So we've definitely known people who have published and I have looked into self-publishing for years. I've gotten in in touch with a couple of printers before to get samples and to inquire about the process. And I think we had definitely, I think we both definitely done our homework, but this was our first actual venture into actually making this happen. Well, and like we kind of didn't even know what an agent did. This is the point I'm trying right? to get to. Like, we probably know how to make a book. We know how to write a book. We can probably mm-hmm. know how to print a book. We don't really know how to broker a deal with a publisher. So right. let's talk about what an agent does for a living. So, Laura Lee, what do you do? <laughs> what do I do? I feel like agents do a lot. And I hope you guys would agree. Yes. Um, now that we're you, so far. Book agents do way more than Kathleen and I thought they did, for sure. <laughs> I also don't know if we make you do more for us than the typical person. <laughs> like, if we're um, ever no, just like, don't. hey. <laughs> it's pretty normal. <laughs> I don't know if we make but your no, job I- harder or easier. <laughs> That's a little bit of both. How about that? <laughs> Perfect. We can we can live with that mix. You make it fun, but you definitely keep me on my toes. I'll say mm-hmm. that. Um, but no, like agents, I feel like they're really known. People think about agents just like what you just said. They think about them, you know, negotiating their a deal with a publisher and negotiating the contract points. But an agent does a lot more than that too. Like sometimes an agent comes in. And somebody might already be talking to a publisher. And so they jump in and do that negotiation. And that can make the author feel really confident that they're getting the best deal from the publisher. But sometimes an agent comes in a lot earlier, as I did with you guys. And so at that point, you're really beginning the creative collaboration. And you're working on honing that idea and pulling together a really compelling proposal. And then an agent is mining all of their contacts at different publishers to come up with a curated list of editors at different imprints to pitch, um, to really tailor that to your book and its strengths. And then, you know, they take you through that process in terms of having those phone calls with editors and meetings with different publishers to sort of see who might be a good creative fit for you. And I think that's a big piece of it too. Like an agent's not just going to get you the most money, but they're going to put you with publishers that they think will do right by your book. Um, a good agent has like strong contacts at different publishing houses and knows those houses' strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, if you're writing a memoir, you shouldn't go with a publisher that has expertise in coffee table books, right? So it's really like thinking about the best fit um, and making sure that that is an important part of your deal too. Love that. Yeah, you totally ended up exceeding our expectations as to what a book agent was here to help us do. I had no idea that an agent would help us so much with with a book proposal. I always thought that you did a proposal first and then you even use that to shop an agent just as much as you did to shop a publishing house. So I really loved that. Um, I really loved that you were involved in that process and that that's part of the process because I feel like 
that book proposal is the barrier to entry that that holds a lot of people back from moving forward. And if you know that part of an agent's job is to actually help you with that, uh, then that makes access to writing a book even easier. And I will say, I'm not sure every agent does that, um, but it's something that Kate and I take really seriously, like making those proposals really compelling, sort of intellectually and also visually appealing, because um, Kate and I were both editors before, and we saw a lot of shoddy proposals come across our desk. Um, so we really wanted to be sure to make the strongest proposal that's going to get to the top of any editor's stack. And so we just put a lot of upfront work in into that with our clients. Well, and I also feel like as an agent, that's only going to help you get your clients better deals. Like if publishers know that whenever you land in their inbox, that the proposal that you're sending is going to be top notch because you've made sure that it is. And that's only going to help you and your business, but also help your clients in their books as well. Right. Like it's kind of part of our standards as an agency as well. Yeah. So everybody wins. I would love to just walk through the life of a project from getting the agent to making a proposal to pitching it. Like, how does it work in traditional publishing just for our listeners to really understand the entire process of getting a book deal? Right. So once you have an agent and um, I mean, if you don't have an agent approach you, there are ways that you can find an agent too. Um, I would say the first thing to do is sort of talk to your existing network, how you guys did. Um, talk to people, anyone you know with a publishing deal or who has an agent or has talked to agents and try to get some referrals and ask them about their experience. You can do that also with your online community, reach out to people and then do some sleuthing too, like in the books that are in your category that you like. You can look at the acknowledgement section and a lot of times authors name their agents there or do a little more online sleuthing, talk to people in the industry, have them look up different agents in different categories for you. Um, and then just send out queries to agents. Um, every agent has a website. They often have really specific um, submissions guidelines. So you want to be careful about following those. And then if an agent wants to represent you, um, they will hopefully work with you on your proposal. Um, and it's easy, like a, a proposal is really formulaic. So they're pretty easy. You can find examples online and they're pretty easy to pull together, easy in the sense that they all sort of have the same components. As you guys know, it's like... All right, so let's talk about the proposal for a second. We can okay. go through the life of a project and just yeah. share where we've been so far. The proposal yeah. was so difficult. I would say that putting together the proposal was almost harder than writing the book. And as of right now, dear listeners, we have submitted our first draft of the entire manuscript to our publisher. So that's where we're at in the process right now. But that proposal was hard. And what was so hard about it? Well, thanks for asking, Laura Lee. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I feel like we had a good grasp on the content that we wanted to include, and we've really honed that in on the podcast. But what was hard about it was broadening that out beyond our listeners, So we already know that our listeners get us, but part of our goal for writing a book, and this is probably important to include on why we're traditional publishing, is to expand our brand and our reach. And in expanding our brand and our reach, 
we really had to go outside of the realm of our ideal client and really start to be more almost inclusive or more broad. And as two branding experts who are constantly narrowing in on who we're trying to talk to, broadening back out was kind of difficult. And even thinking about pitching it to a publisher who has no idea who we are or what we do, it kind of took us outside of what we know so well into explaining ourselves. It almost felt like, you know, whenever you're at a barbecue in the summer and your great aunt asks what you do and you say, I'm a podcaster and I have a branding agency. And she's like, what? Basically, I feel like publishers are your great aunt and you have to be able to (laughs) explain what it is that you do and then ask them to give you a lot of money. Yes. You can't assume they will know who you are, and publishing can be slightly antiquated. So that's not a bad way to think about it. No, I agree with that. And I also say that for Kathleen and I writing a book together, the proposal was the first time that we had to put it on paper, what it is that we wanted to create. And I mean, we were still really kind of kind of trying to figure it out, but also how we were going to do it together, which was a whole other, like, part of the process we're like are we saying we or are we saying I and are we saying Emily and Kathleen like what does all that look like so that was that was also really difficult because putting together a proposal like that you think you know this has to be so good it has to be such a great representation of what we're going to do because we're selling this thing you know there's that that um I don't know, sense of excellence that goes into it. And whenever we're trying to figure out something as basic as like what um, what point of view are we giving people in terms of I or we, as basic as that, uh, was a little nerve wracking as well. So it is this thing where you're creating this document that in a sense will, will um, be the key, right? <laughs> hopefully, it's to the, the next key. phase and it better right. fit. And we had to think through a lot of those issues in advance, which is, I think, what made the writing part of it so easy. And fortunately, we've been through the braid method together. We took being boss through the braid method. So we already had that kind of visioning document for what it was that we wanted to create in general. It was just really honing in on those details of, okay, what goes on paper forever? Mm-hmm. Is this yeah. what we really want to say? How do we say it? Right. What is our first book? So anyway. But I'll also tell you, like going back and writing the book, that first chapter that was in the proposal didn't actually really make it into the final book. <laughs> so all of that like painstaking agony that went into making some of those decisions for the proposal were completely nothing whenever it came to actually writing the book. I'm so glad you guys said this because I think that's why the proposal is so important as an exercise. So maybe it's not easy. The word I guess I was going through is formulaic, but it's like it is the biggest test of if this is the book that you want to and can write. And it's one thing to have an idea. It's quite another to build a whole outline. Like, does this idea sustain over an outline? Some ideas are not meant to be books. They're, you know, a blog post. (laughs) But also, like, does it hold your interest over the process of writing a proposal? Because when you go into a book collaboration, like, that needs to hold your interest for at least two years, as you guys know. And so you really need to feel energized. It's basically like getting a degree. It's basically like getting a degree. I mean, Emily and I have talked about this before whenever it comes to college. The biggest benefit to college for us has been the work ethic it takes to go through four years of something and get that degree. And that's really what that proposal is. And I think it is what separates 
who's serious and who isn't because a lot of people might think I want to write a book a lot of people have writing a book on their bucket list but it is not the easiest thing in the whole world at the same time it's also not the hardest thing in the whole world I've learned right but you have to like be in that mindset and be dedicated to it and if you're burnt by the end of the proposal process um the rest is going to be really painful (laughs) so you have to stay excited and positive right For sure. You know what? I had the opposite experience. (laughs) I was really burnt by the end of the proposal and I thought maybe I don't want to do this and nothing to do with you, Laura Lee, but just in general. I remember. It was really hard. It took a lot of time and then thinking about how much time the book was going to take to write. Emily and I basically blocked off three days a week from January until April to work on the book, which takes a lot of time away from paying work. So I remember at the end of the proposal process, I said to you, Laura Lee, if we don't get a good advance, we can't do this. Like we just can't justify the amount of time that it's going to take. We did get a good advance that appropriately compensated us for the amount of time that it was going to take to write. Okay. So that actually takes us down our process a little bit more. So you write the proposal. Right. Right. You actually helped us a little bit. Can I share this, that you helped us a little bit with some of it? The proposal? Yeah. Because like, remember how we had a hard time kind of writing about being boss and who we are and what we do. And so you came in and actually from your point of view as a listener to the show and also someone who has that link to the traditional publishing world, you were able to go in and help us write that summary of who we are and what we do. And that was so incredibly helpful. So thank you for that. (laughs) Oh, my pleasure. It was fun. Okay. So the proposal's done. Then what? So then the proposal, and I know I pushed you guys on that proposal pretty hard, but I think it paid off. Um, and once the proposal was ready, we went out to our list of publishers. So I think I sent your proposal out to over 10 publishers. Um, and we had gone over that list together, um, thinking about who would be the best match. And so you're just getting it out in front of editors and giving them a couple weeks to review it. And then from there, we took meetings with publishers who were interested. And I think that's not something everybody knows either, that you have meetings with publishers before you decide who you're going to go with, right? And um, I think that's always a pretty interesting experience for first-time authors. Yeah, so we had a meeting with, I want to say, four or five publishers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Emily and I were actually together in Palm Springs at Designer Vacay. That's right. I forgot that you were (laughs) together by a pool. I remember Kathleen set up out on the porch, and I closed the door, and I was sitting on the bed, and we had the windows open or, like, the curtains open so that we we could talk separately without, like, hearing each other's voices, like in the same space because we were on separate phones, but we could totally like sign to each other what it is that we wanted to say and who was going to talk next and that kind of stuff. It was, it felt like a really fun sleepover exercise, like a fun game of telephone where you're talking to legit people that are going to change your life. (laughs) But it just felt so boss and so magical to be on this trip together in Palm Springs negotiating or not negotiating quite yet, but being courted by publishers who wanted us to write a book for them. It felt really super cool and really special. And it's an experience I will never, ever forget. Same. I don't think I'd ever felt more boss than like having people at publishing houses asking me about my business and like what it is that we do and what it is that we stand for. And then just rolling out of my mouth 
with such ease because we are total bosses at what we do and we know who we are and what we stand for and what we want this book to to do in the world. So it was, I think that the proposal was like that huge test that got us to this point where we felt like total badasses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and think like how valuable it was for you guys to be able to ask them questions and that's like another key role that an agent plays is getting those meetings for you because you were able to ask some hard questions of different publishers and realize that maybe you wouldn't want to go with all the publishers we talked to. So it put the ball a little more in your court too. For and sure. So on those calls, we were talking about things like art direction. We were talking about voice and tone. Emily was making sure that she could cuss in the book. <laughs> we were talking about things like um, how many colors it would be printed in, what the quality of the paper would be. We were talking about design and how much creative control we could have over the design process. We were talking about publicity and distribution. We were just kind of covering the gamut of what we could bring to the table and what they could bring to the table. Yep. Yeah. So it definitely wasn't just like a one-sided call where they were seeing what we were about. We were definitely allowed to see what they were about to and interrogate them in the same capacity. (laughs) which is pretty great. Right. Both sides are feeling each other out about the creative fit. And what's cool is that Laura Lee was on the call with us at the same time. And so if we forgot to ask anything, she would make sure to jump in and ask those questions for us or just making sure that we were covering all bases. And then afterward, we would always call you up and we'd be like, what do you think about that? I don't know if that's normal or not, but we like had to debrief after each call. We had to do the download after every call, Yeah, Um, which is great because those gut reactions will fade, you know, over time. So I think it's really good to capture how you're feeling right after those meetings. Um, So after the meetings, we solicit bids from publishers and we got our offers in. And um, in some cases, agents will run an auction to get the best bid. And some in some cases, they don't need to run an auction. It depends on how many publishers are interested. And that's kind of when I took over in terms of the negotiation stuff, um, always coming back to you guys and keeping you informed and in the loop and making sure you were cool with what my next move was going to be. So I would say that's a really open part of the process, right, too. Um, and then we ended up with the deal that you guys were most happy with. Yes. And if any of you have ever bought a house, I keep mentioning. You always I say always, make this analogy. I always use the analogy I'm your that real writing agent. a book <laughs> is like buying a house. And so, yeah, Laura Lee's kind of like our real estate agent where she's really brokering that deal and kind of being that go-between. But it really does feel like buying a house, even just as far as getting offers on the book and what that looks like. And the different um, deciding factors don't just come down to price. Right. And that's kind of what I was saying earlier. And I think that's something that people don't realize is like those publishing agreements are like 15 pages long, right? And so agents know about all of those smaller clauses that you might not think about, like the non-compete and the option clause and the subrights and you know, your priorities as podcasters, we paid attention to the audiobook portion and performance. For an artist, it might be the merchandising rights. So helping navigate those smaller, unfamiliar points is also a big piece of it. I want to talk a little bit about the timeline then from like us beginning the proposal mm-hmm. to having a book deal. Um, we were... Why are you giggling? <laughs> Kathleen just starts giggling about this. Um, Because our timeline was a little bit of a shit show. (laughs) Yes. Well, so that's why I want to talk about it. Um, Because we did go fairly quickly, I feel. Or were we slow? Yes. You tell me. I don't even know. You guys took 
almost as long to write your proposal as you did to write your manuscript. You realize that, That's right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it actually. took us probably four months to write our proposal. Yeah. It was painful. It was painful mm-hmm. for you. It was harder. <laughs> but it was also beautiful. Um, so we wrote the proposal. I feel like we wrote the, pro- pro- blah, blah, blah. I feel like we wrote the proposal last summer, um, July, August, September. Our goal Shopped was to have it done. in November. It was like early November, I think. Yeah. And we made you shop it on a full moon. That's right. <laughs> we did. That's right. Well, and I was going to say, whenever we did our calls with the publishers too, after we got off the, like, the debriefing with you, Kathleen and I pulled a tarot card. <laughs> you did? Oh, yeah. We pulled yeah. a tarot card for each publisher. Definitely. You never told me that yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and, and actually the one that we ended up choosing was the one that I guess we were most like pleased with that, with that poll as well. Uh, they didn't really, it did not actually play into the decision, but it was like a good feeling. It did. It did a little bit. Um, so we spent the summer and late summer writing the proposal. I guess October you were shopping it around and scheduling calls, which happened in November, beginning of November, and then we got a deal, or we got deals, and yeah, or yeah, offers, offers. In thank you, that's the word, offers, um, it's like Thanksgiving-ish, around yeah, in like there. Middle November. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so And then your months. first delivery date, like this is good for people to know too, was what, like January? Well, they wanted it to be in December. <laughs> we'll remember this conversation as well. So we get the offer in uh, mid-November and we share some emails with our uh, our editor and she's like, I would love to have your first chapter by mid-December. And Kathleen and I were like, well, actually, we're not working in December and she wrote back and was like, oh, well, that sounds boss. <laughs> because you got to Kath- practice what you preach. Right? <laughs> Kathleen had already said, uh, Kathleen and I had already set aside taking off the whole month of December. Um, so we ended up pushing it until the 15th of January. And so January 1 came around. Kathleen and I started writing. And by that first due date, we had, um, we had our first chapter and then shortly after chapter two and chapter three. And then we finished it out. And we wrote the entirety of the book between January 1st and more or less April 1st. It was due on April 15th, but we were kind of already done around the 1st and uh, we let you read it, Laura Lee, and uh, we just kind of held on to it until the official due date. So we wrote a book in three months after taking four months to write the proposal. We also designed a chapter because we couldn't help ourselves and sent that over (laughs) to our publisher saying, not to step on any toes, but this is what we'd like it to look like. Because this is another interesting part of it, being having a background as a print designer, it's very weird to me to be handing that off to an in-house designer, but it also feels very liberating. Well, that was also part of those like negotiating conversations was, will you let us have some say in the design? And everyone was very open about working with our brand because they saw that we had a very established brand and aesthetic. But the one we chose was the one that was the most open in a design collaboration as well. So that was one of those like highly weighted points that we went into the decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And I think that's another good difference between self-publishing and traditional publishing is that like with self-publishing, I know you guys also knew that you would have to design the whole thing. And did you have time to design the whole thing? But then in traditional publishing, someone else with a lot of expertise is designing for you, but you give up some of that creative control. Um, and, you know, most publishers we work with are really collaborative in that sense. And um, 
So I think, you know, you want to get it with a, like you guys said, you really valued that piece of it, their collaborative spirit, which is great. But um, that's definitely something to think about from the get go. If you're an artist or a design type, like how much are you going to be able to let go and sort of trust um, the expertise of a traditional publisher? For sure. Okay. So, All right. So I went to actually, okay, so we we wrote the book. It's right. done. And oh, this one is, thing I want to say about that oh, yeah. too, a lot of people don't know that you get to, you often have to turn in some early stuff. Like, you know, they want to get a sense of how your writing is before you write the whole book. So you guys had that first deadline, and then you have your final deadline. Um, I don't know. I just think that's something people don't always realize that they'll be delivering in sort of batches. And really, I remember our editor at the publishing house really wanted to just see one chapter, but we went ahead and sent two just so that she could really see how our writing would shift from talking about mindset to then talking about habits and routines, for example. Um, This is also something interesting I'd like to share behind the scenes of our creative process is that we were going to just tackle chapter by chapter in whatever order because it really follows a lot of the content that we're creating for the podcast and the kinds of topics that we're talking about here. And Emily and I decided that we had to write it chronologically from beginning to end in order to make it make sense in our heads. So that was kind of interesting. And we'll have to do a whole other episode on just the collaborative process of writing a book together. It was to date, one of the coolest things I've ever done. And it has grown me as a creative and as a writer and as a collaborator more than anything I've done in my whole life. Agreed wholeheartedly. Okay. So going back to the proposal, I want to talk about just kind of having a book idea. And I think that you give a lot of really great guidance and you gave us a lot of guidance in this process of really having a point of view And really making sure that the book that you're writing makes sense to be in a book. I mean, content can live in a lot of places. It can live in a YouTube channel. It can live in a podcast. It can live on a blog. And it can live in a book. So what do you think makes a really good book? And what are the kinds of things that you need to do in your proposal to make sure that that's coming across, that you have a book in you? Right. I mean, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, but I think and you touched on it, like first and foremost, you really, when you're thinking about doing a book, and this is nonfiction, I should say, Kate and I only do nonfiction. It's really different for children's publishing and fiction. Um, and so when you're doing a nonfiction book proposal, you really first and foremost want to be building on what you're already known for. Like you, if you are a professional famous photographer and you want to do a book about tea, like it's just not going to fly. You really need to stay close to you know, why your audience comes to you and how you're engaging with the world. So think about that and what idea, you know, makes the most sense. Um, and also like test drive it. That goes back to, you know, talk to people you trust about it. Make sure you can write a whole outline about it. Um, test it on your channels and see, you know, you can put little teasers out about the concept you have and see what kind of response you get, even if it's just on Instagram. Um, I think those are the first two steps when going down a nonfiction sort of publishing, um, road and also like practicing non-attachment. I'm kind of veering off your question, but like if anyone wants to go into a publishing collaboration, like you need to be prepared for that idea to evolve and grow and you're going to get feedback from agents and editors and some publishers aren't going to be interested and it's going to change and readers are going to give you reviews that you might not like. So it's like practicing non-attachment, separating yourself from your idea, I think is really important when you first go in to the process. 
I feel like we've got that down. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'll delete my favorite paragraph in a second without thinking about it. You guys it. are great about that, <laughs> about taking edits. I mean, not everyone does that, and it makes the it makes your editor's job a lot Well, it's easier. because I'll we had to what. look at each other in the face for three yeah. months and say it, like, in the moment. But, like, I know you just wrote this, but it has to go. And by the end of it, we were like, fine, bye. You guys would just delete yeah, everything in that Google Doc, and you're we just deleting like, it live. It was so satisfying. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that. So we sent you our first draft, and we yeah. sent a couple of people that we really trust our first draft to read first. And with your background in writing and editing, we really trusted you with it. And even just from the beginning of the process, you're the person that we trust the most in our book and what we're saying. So... And our editor, I'm sure, next, but we haven't worked yeah. with her as much as we've worked with you yet. So we wanted to give you a, a sneak peek at our first draft, and you had a few edits, so we were all on a call together, and I felt I felt you kind of being careful about giving us some of those edits. Mm-hmm. We're just like, lay it on like, us. At, at one point, I remember saying, we're, we're, we don't take it personal. We can delete it. It can go. <laughs> We just wanted to turn it in at that point. It's almost like I can compare it to um, being so pregnant, like being 42 (laughs) weeks pregnant and you will do anything to get that baby out. Like maybe you wanted an unmedicated home birth, Mm -hmm. but you're willing to go to the hospital and just cut it out. Like whatever you need to do. You will do. Right. And it I doesn't sense that, even and matter. That's why that was so fun. That phone call was so fun for me because you guys were just hacking it and I'm watching it in the Google Doc like disappear. <laughs> but a lot of right? people, again, like it's that's hard for a lot of people because it is their baby and they get attached to every little thing. And so I do have to ride that line at first of you just know, testing the waters feedback. and see how yeah. crazy we'll be about it. Exactly. I think it would have been harder if Emily and I had not already been doing that to each other every exactly. single day. So right. by the end of the three months of writing this book together, we were really going back and forth and really challenging and pushing each other and editing each other. And so that made it easy. I could see if you were writing on a book all by yourself and then you get that first round of edits, it would probably be yeah. really overwhelming and feel really personal. And you guys have so much practice with the podcast. You're out there. You're already vulnerable in so many ways. And it's just like, I understand that people, if this is their first time doing something like that, like it can be emotionally trying. So I try to be sensitive, but I'm not as sensitive with you guys anymore. Good. Just let us have it. It's a good workout for our egos. Right. Right. (laughs) And there were a few things, though, that we are willing to go to bat for. I think that just the edits that we did have – or that you had for us um, didn't feel personal. But there are probably a few things in there. And we'll see. We're not at that point in the process yet where our editor, our publisher has looked right. at it yet. So we'll see what they have to say. Um, and I want to mention our publisher because we haven't yeah. mentioned that yet. So Grand Reveal, we are going with Running Press. Which is an imprint. Is that the correct word? Imprint of imprint Hachette? imprint of Hachette, yes. And they are publishing your book in spring of 2018. Yeah! <laughs> yeah. I know I was telling someone the other day that my life beyond April 2018 feels like a black hole. Like I have mm-hmm. no idea what it's going to look like or what's going to come of it or how it's going to feel or what I'll be doing. And so I feel kind of weird like about the year leading up to that. Like I don't want to... St- 
get too deep into something that like it will be messed up by book law anyway it just I feel like I'm in a weird limbo place of like sheer excitement and unknowing and then everything beyond book launch is a black hole but you know what's funny about writing a book and traditional publishing is that we've done hard things before. I mean, we've done things that are actually as hard as writing a book, like let's say launching our business or writing courses or launching a podcast or hosting a, an event like the being boss vacations. We're constantly doing things that we've never done before that push us and stretch us and people kind of don't care. But whenever we say we're writing a book, Everyone, I mean, we're basically, people give us a parade of like, oh my gosh, you're writing a book. That's so amazing. And I'm like, but it's not the only amazing thing I've ever done. But thank you. (laughs) I think that touches on the fact that like going, I do believe, and I know you guys do too, like going with traditional publishing, there is just some credibility that that still brings. Like having a publisher publish your book for you on a national and international level just brings a lot of credibility and clearly impresses people. Right. So let's talk about that decision for a second. Like the fact that Kathleen and I did ultimately choose to do traditional publishing because we were like very much so riding that fence of traditional versus self-publishing. And that really is the thing that kicked us, kicked it over the edge for us was the credibility that still does come from being traditionally published. I remember sitting in an Alt Summit, um, Alt Summit panel with um, Grace Bonnie several years ago and her saying that, you know, a book is the best business card you can have. And that like stayed with me so hardcore and um, and definitely played into us making that decision. But also whenever it came to things like um, distribution or just having someone else take care of most of the marketing, because we're definitely taking some marketing on for ourselves, just having that team of people who know the process, who will just do it for us, was really huge for Kathleen and I. And it's not to say it's not, uh, or that it's the the path for every project, because even whenever I think down the road, I could definitely see myself trying out the self-publishing route at one point, just to see what happens, but maybe not. Um But I think that, or I know that for us, it was definitely that credibility that is lended to us by being traditionally published that made us ultimately choose to go with you and running press and writing a book. Also, the fact that Kathleen and I have courted the idea of writing a book for years and we needed someone else's deadlines to make us write the book. <laughs> right. We also want to be New York Times bestsellers, and you can't get on that list self-publishing. So You cannot. That's true. So no, we um, we did think about doing that. Instead, we just decided to hire a publicist to, to help us take it to the next level. And for us, too, that was that really came down to us being wanting to be so sure that whenever we got launched or whenever the book was released, that we had done everything that we could to make it as successful a book as possible. And not only for ourselves, but also for the relationship that we have with you and for our publisher so that, you know, everyone knows that we are as boss as we try to say we are. Everyone wins, right? Right. That's why everyone's invested in it too. Yes. Okay. So can we talk about the advance real quick? Because this is something that I had a lot of questions around. I won't mention a specific number, but um, whenever we got the advance and even just the word advance made me think that if we don't sell up to that amount that we get prepaid for, that we'd have to give it back. 
Like we'd have to give money back to the publisher. So that's not true, correct? That is not true. So an advance, a publisher is thinking about an advance as basically your paycheck for creating the book. And so that's how they come up with the number. And that advance needs to be recouped. Like you need to earn it back before you get royalties, but you never have to pay that front advance, that big chunk they get, give you off the, at the beginning. Um, you never have to pay that back. And working with you as our agent, we give you a percentage of what we make. So it wasn't like we had to pay for you up front either. That just comes out of the deal. Right. I don't get paid until you get paid. Yeah, exactly. So that's why all of us were doing a lot of upfront work that some parts could feel painful, but in the end, we all get paid. (laughs) Right. Okay. So beyond the advance, I want to come back to our publisher, which is Running Press, who we are so excited to be with. So funny enough, we talked to Running Press first. They were the first publisher that we spoke with in Palm Springs. And we had such good vibes. It felt so good talking to them. We were so excited, but we also didn't want it to be like, okay, you know, whenever you get married and you try on the first wedding dress and you buy it because you've basically never worn a wedding dress before. So you're like, I'm just going to get this one. I was worried that it was the wedding dress, but it wasn't. After, running press I mean, was your wedding dress. <laughs> running press was our wedding dress, but it was also totally meant yeah. to be. So we're so excited yeah. to be working with Running Press. And they have published other books like You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. But a lot of you have probably read You Are a yeah. Badass. So we're so excited. We feel like we're going to be in really good company there. And we're super stoked about the team over there our editor, the designer. So we've had meetings with our editor and our designer and um, we're still kind of looping you in on some of those things, Laura Lee, but soon we will probably fly the coop. <laughs> but you only stop for a looping moment. me in? <laughs> yeah, like how, how does it work? When do we have to stop Actually, calling is, you? This when is do where we have a real conversation. Never. Like, when do we stop emailing you? This, this is where we're going back to the very first question, like what an agent does. Like I am here every step of the way. So love that. Well then never yeah. mind. We'll make sure you're in on no. all of those emails. I mean, just no, I don't have to be on every email, please God. But what, <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, gotcha. what I do mean by that is like an agent is just another person who's on the team, right? So like maybe editors are so passionate about their project. I know your editor is so passionate about your book and she was from that very first phone call. But they also are overworked and have tons of projects at a time, which I know from being an editor. And so your agent is somebody who you can call with ideas or freak outs when your editor might not be available. Um, or if there's any like pain points, like let your agent play bad cop so you can keep your relationship with your editor pure and creative and fulfilling, your agent can step in and have those difficult conversations for you. So that's what I mean is like, you're not going to cut me out completely. Like, I want to be there to advocate for you even when the book is being published. Um, and also think long term, like to future books. And if, if you guys end up doing another book or switching publishers down the road, like your agent can be a constant through that as well. Yeah, that was funny whenever we got on the call with you after you read our first draft. And we get on the call. I'm expecting that we're going to talk about, I don't know, the book we just wrote. (laughs) And the first thing that comes out of Emily's mouth is, so let's talk about our next book. And I was like, wait, what? That was always my purpose for that phone call. And I feel like I had told you that, Kathleen. But you didn't give me a heads up at all. But apparently Laura Lee was not in the loop. Is so everyone just Nobody, looked at me like, what? None and I was of like, us knew this. why I'm here. 
her. No, we're right. here to talk about Laura Lee's edits to our first draft <laughs> of, of the book that we're actually writing. Oh, I had other things in my mind. That right. I was done with the book at that right. point, for sure. Right. No, I ha- and and I have found you completely indispensable in all of the things, and mostly around. Like, I love adding people to the team. That's there with like this forward vision or is there to help support forward vision. I found that as I as I grow my creative businesses that it's those people on your team that are the most valuable. So we'll loop you in as long as you want looped in, Laura Lee, for sure. That sounds great. That's my job. Okay, I have a couple of questions to ask you about being a creative entrepreneur. But first, I want to wrap a bow around writing a book. And I would love to hear just maybe three pieces of advice that you have for our listeners who are interested in writing a book and maybe just three things that they need to have ready before they even start shopping for an agent. Right. I mean, I think we kind of covered this just in the sense of like build on what you're already doing. Be sure to test drive your idea, practice non-attachment. And when you're querying agents, like I want to see, I want to click on a link or an Instagram and see who you are and what you're up to and who your audience is. And I want to see like an elevator pitch of your idea. And you know, if you have a full proposal, that's great. But just that, like if you guys had reached out to me and said, we're Kathleen and Emily, here's our podcast, here's our website. We want to write a guide on how to be boss and work in life. Like that would have made me write you back. And that would have been enough for us to get the process started. Um, so it's really like simplifying what you're trying to do when you're reaching out. Love that. I am such a fan of like a two-sentence email. Just saying. Yeah. It goes a long right. way. That goes a long way whenever we're being pitched with podcast mm-hmm. guests. Right. Okay, so you are actually kind of new to creative entrepreneurship, and I think that you're in a super interesting place where you've gone from working within a bigger publisher. I, yes. Yeah, I worked for major publishers for almost 15 years. And now you work for a small company, but still within the context of mm-hmm. this world that's very big, right? Yes. So I'm so yes. curious to hear what your experience has been. How long has it been? A year? It's been a year. So Kate started Present Perfect in 2015 and then brought me on as partner last May. So I'm, I'm just at a year. Congrats on a year. And what Thank have you, you learned in a year? Being in kind of the oh same industry gosh. and the same world, but going from really huge companies to your very small two-person shop. Right. Well, I've learned so much. Um, it is an interesting move and in where I'm just, I'm in the same industry, but going to the other side of the desk. So that's been really cool because it's kind of like the same job in reverse. Um, so I've been able to sort of think through situations in a unique way, but in terms of going from larger, you know, established um, media and publishing companies to being in a two-person shop, it's like obviously the stuff like creating my own schedule and being independent and autonomous is amazing. But what I've really found is like being, you know, challenged and inspired to grow. Like I, you know, had these jobs and I felt like I was good at these jobs, but I was almost like going through the motions and I just felt too young to be going through the motions. And now like I'm confident in what I'm doing, but I'm consistently learning and growing and building something like I truly believe in. And that has been a game changer just for my entire life, to be totally honest. Um, it's been awesome. And having a partner, like a whip smart partner, I mean, I'm sure you guys have this experience is 
a really cool experience. It's unlike any other relationship. It's your business bestie, your weird other wife, like whatever, your spouse. <laughs> um, and, uh, but it's so fun. Like she and I get to make all our decisions together and push each other. And it's, it's been an awesome experience. Would you go back? Not tomorrow. <laughs> Good um, answer. Yeah. I mean, I can't see too far in the future, but I feel so committed to building this. And like, I, I feel like if I went back, I would, that's what I would stay doing. Right. So I feel like I gave myself sort of one chance to go out on my own and really make something. And so I feel committed to seeing that through like as long as I can. Love it. Yeah. Perfect answer. <laughs> Thanks. And what do you feel like your vision at Present Perfect really is like what is it that you feel like you're really standing behind and that you're really trying to create there that's such a good question so we are building our reputation as agents that represent like really creative clients who have a point of view who are saying something relevant something that is worth printing a hundred pages about and shipping across the world from China like we're really thinking about the responsibility we have in terms of pitching these publishers like we don't want to publish books that just go into the remainder bin. Like we want to to be responsible in shepherding through content that matters. And so that's what really motivates us. Um, we'd love to grow the agency, bring on more agents, maybe people in different types of departments um, and grow the categories we work in too. So there's a lot. <laughs> Our vision is big. Good. I also, so that also spurred something I want to note that I feel like is a important, or I feel it's an important part of like our book publishing story mm -hmm. is that we did get our, um, our book offer offers, um, a week after the election, That's which right. for us, Kathleen and I were like trying not to die crying every single day. I can't believe this now. We did calls the day after yeah. the election. Yeah. It was nuts. And so I've definitely felt that, I don't know, that some sort, that's a good sign. It is a good sign if there are any to be found in that couple of weeks. Um, for me, that was, that was kind of a, a pat on the back, but also a push forward in that this has to be done and it has to be done really well. Yeah, and I didn't think that we were going to talk about this, but I will just add in that I think that that... Um, moment in time has been very discouraging for a lot of artists and a lot of creatives and a lot of people have wanted to shut down in face of that or feeling like what they're creating um, isn't really worthwhile in the face of what's happening globally and politically and so for me and Emily we did have to make a very clear choice after that to really focus on creating what we want the world to be and that does not mean that we stop making art. That does not mean that we stop using our voices. And that does not mean that we stop writing. In fact, we're taking it to a whole new level In now. fact, we have deadlines that we yeah. can't miss. So let's get started. <laughs> and that. Right. I mean, persistence of art and creativity is like activism in and of itself. And, you know, Kate and I are always thinking like we want to do books that they don't have to be blatantly activist. Although, of course, we're thinking responsibly about the political climate, but like do our books comfort people? That's still important. Do they teach people something new so they can grow as people, even if, you know, the world is feeling a little dark around them? So there's a lot of ways to think about that and to sort of, you know, uh, spread out that responsibility. For sure. Love it. Oh, I'm so glad we got to do this together. Oh, no. Yeah. So fun. One more question. What yep. makes you feel most boss? 
Oh, yes. I would have to say, like, negotiating a contract while being somewhere in the tropics feels pretty <laughs> boss. I feel like that happened with us. I think you were in Hawaii while you were negotiating our contract, right? Well, that was, yes. Yeah, so well, we had our final Skype interview when I hadn't signed you guys yet. I was in Hawaii, and that felt pretty boss. Nice. That is pretty boss. Um, perfect. Where can our people find more about you? And yes. are you currently taking new clients? We are taking new clients. So Present Perfect Department is our agency. Our website is presentperfectdepartment.com. And you can find all you need to know at that site. This episode of Being Boss was brought to you by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring us. And you guys can try it for free by going to freshbooks.com slash beingboss. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. If you're a creative entrepreneur, freelancer, or a small business owner who is ready to take your goals to the next level, check out the Being Boss Clubhouse, a two-day online retreat followed by a year of community support, monthly masterclasses, book club, secret episodes, and optional in-person retreats. Find more at www.beingboss.club clubhouse. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brain. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Bean counter, David Austin, with support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.